0: I have a stack of these at home. I can't bring myself to throw them away yet. They're invitations to my graduation. It was supposed to happen in May, May 9th at at one o'clock in the afternoon. There was going to be a reception. There was going to be cake and punch before. And I was really looking forward to the cake and punch also. I, I was excited. I was excited about the people that I would give these invitations to. It was a little sad, too, when I think about the people in my life who are no longer with us, who I would have loved to have been able to share these invitations with, would have loved to have given one to my mom. You know, the whole point of having an invitation is to give it away. The whole point is to, is to give the invitation away, right? I mean, no one hoards their invitations. No one keeps them in the box that they came in and, and buries them as a treasure somewhere. No, you, you set them free. You, you give them away. There are all kinds of invitations. Some of them are formal, you know, invitation to a graduation, invitation to a wedding. Some of those invitations require us to RSVP, let people know we're coming there's less formal invitations maybe you get an invitation to a birthday party or maybe to a baby shower a little less formal invitation and then there's invitations that are just given verbally there's no written invitation you're asked to be somewhere someone says hey do you want to get together and do lunch or let's go out together let's let's spend some time together i'd like to get to know you a little better those kind of all those invitations all those invitations tell us that someone cares enough to include us in their lives, maybe even include us at an important event. We, we do that to each other. We, we include people when we share invitations. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus receives an invitation. He probably had to RSVP. It's an invitation to dinner at the house of a Pharisee, not just a Pharisee, but a ruler of Pharisees. I'm not sure if it was formal or informal. I don't know if they were serving cake and punch that day. I think they were serving up trouble for Jesus that day. You know, when you and I last saw Jesus, we were back in chapter 12 last week, and out there in chapter 12, Jesus is in the wilderness, and he's preaching in the wilderness. He's got all these crowds of people around him listening to him preaching, and now here in chapter 14, Jesus has made his way into town. He's come to town, and believe it or not, Jesus is stirring up a little trouble, his enemies are watching and listening, and so he receives an invitation to dinner, to dinner on the Sabbath, it's kind of like going out for lunch after church. And there at that dinner, there just happens to be a man there who is sick. Now, the way Luke describes it, the language seems to suggest that someone has planted this man there. They, they're putting him there so that they can see what Jesus might do. Will Jesus heal this man on the Sabbath? Because you see, to to heal him on the Sabbath, well, that, that would be to work on the Sabbath. That would be to break the rules on the Sabbath. And so it's an invitation for Jesus to come to dinner, but Jesus uses that invitation to know his heart, to know who he is, the whole story takes place in Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 24. I'm going to begin just with verses 1 through 6 here. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, Well, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. And then he took him, the the sick man, and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day, which of you will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. I'd like to skip on down and look at the final verse in this passage. It's verse 24 at the end of this whole incident. Jesus says these words to the people there that day. He says, for I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. We'll get into his banquet a little bit later. We'll get into the who's and the what's and the what do you wear to his banquet. But but I want you to hear him, for I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Jesus has a banquet planned. He's sending out invitations. He's got those that he desires to see at that table and to engage them at the table. The invitations have been sent. It's necessary to RSVP, to this one, to say whether or not you will be there. Being there, being at Jesus's banquet is not just about knowing where it is and when it is and what to wear and what's being served. It's about knowing the heart of the host. It's about knowing Jesus. Jesus invites us to his banquet, to sit at his table. And so through this passage that we're reading here in Luke chapter 14, through this passage, he tells us that his table is necessary for our souls. I want you to think about where we've been this year with Luke, uh, with the gospel of Luke and with Jesus. I want you to think about the people we've seen around Jesus At the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke, there are lepers, there are paralytics, there are tax collectors, there are people who are outsiders and outcast people who live on the fringe who are not welcome among the good and polite and clean people. And then as Jesus moves on through the gospel, he's surrounded by a great crowd. If you remember last week, there were so many thousands, they were trampling on each other. Jesus is surrounded by this great crowd, and, and, and then in closer there is his disciples, and then in closer still there are the twelve apostles. And everything that Jesus has done and everything that he has said has put all of those people on a level place, equal before God, equal before him, equal in their invitation to salvation. God's not making that guy over there work a little harder, and he's not making that guy earn it, and he's not letting that one in just scot free. No, you're all welcome. It, this is necessary for our souls. And then there are the Pharisees, like the one that invited Jesus to dinner. You know, if we went back to, to Luke chapter 13, it's there, there in Luke chapter 13. In verse 11, Jesus heals a woman who has a a disabling spirit. Uh, The text says that for 18 years, she has been bent over, unable to stand up straight. For 18 years, she has been in pain. And so Jesus, with one touch, heals her. She stands up straight. The pain is gone. It just happened to be on the Sabbath when he did this. And so the Pharisees are mad because he's healing on the Sabbath, because no one should work on the Sabbath. And there in chapter 13, verse 14, the Pharisees say, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days to be healed and not on the Sabbath day. I hope you can hear their hypocrisy because their hypocrisy is it didn't matter what day she'd come to them that they wouldn't have been able to heal her she could have come on the sabbath she could have come on thursday friday wednesday tuesday it doesn't matter they they still would not have been able to heal her at the end of that story in luke 13 verse 17 luke tells us his adversaries were put to shame and all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. <laughs> that was last week. That was last Sabbath. The Pharisees were humiliated. But this Saturday, or this, this Sabbath, one of them invites him to dinner. And it, it just so happens that there's a man there who is sick. He, he has dropsy. That's, that's an old word. Dropsy, it, it's edema. It's congestive heart failure. Uh, the fluid inside you pools. And by the end of the day, the, this man's feet would have been swelled like elephants' feet. <sighs> it seems that, seems that he's not here by accident. It really seems like the Pharisees have planted him here to watch Jesus, to see what Jesus would do. And we read there in verses 3 and 4, Jesus responds to the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remain silent and then he took him took the sick man and healed him and then sent him on his way i love that he sent him on his way he he needed to be there for the healing he needed healing he he didn't need to be there for the argument <laughs> he had received his blessing he received what he needed it was necessary for his soul and that's exactly what we should expect when we respond to jesus's invitation to his table We should expect healing. We should expect wholeness. We should should expect to come away better. We should expect to come away full, not just filled with food, but filled with life. And when we read at that last verse, verse, verse 24, For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. We realize taste is not just about the food being served or the wine being served. Taste is the blessing of His touch. Taste is His healing. Taste is that which has nourished our soul. I I think it takes us back to to the Psalms. I think it takes us back to Psalm 34, verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. That's what we need. We need His presence. We need His touch. That's what's necessary for our souls. And so Jesus invites us to sit at his table because it is necessary for our souls. And in calling us to his table, what you and I need to realize is that when we sit at his table, we are all equals. It might be that we think we're special because Jesus has invited us. We might feel like honored guests. And so Jesus, while he's at this Pharisees dinner party, he offers a parable. Luke begins that portion in verse 7. He says, now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor and he's say, saying to them, when you are invited to someone by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. And then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. I guess they didn't have those little name cards on the tables back then. They didn't and in fact everybody is vying for the best seat and the best seat at the banquet is next to the host and if you couldn't be next to the host you'd be next to the guy who's next to the host the best seat was always closest to the host and that's how they fought for the best seat and that's how they fought for the place of honor they they didn't have the little cards you know you you've gone to you, you've gone to banquets before you've gone to receptions where there is a card on the table and you look for the card with your name on it and then you find your card and then what do you do you look and see who's also at the same table. And don't tell me you've never done this. But every now and then you see some names at your table and you you switch those names. I don't want to sit with that person. I don't want to be there with that person. And so you switch the seats around. You know, at some point, you've got to trust the host, you got to trust that the host knows what they're doing. And really, the host probably should have just nailed those cards right to the table so that you couldn't move them. A few years ago, i I received an invitation. I received an invitation to a a wedding it was my college roommate my Best friend for years. My college roommate's little sister was getting married, and I had to go. I had to go to Kathy's wedding. I was in her brother, her oldest brother's wedding. I was his best man, and, and then her other brother, when he got married, I was one of the groomsmen, so, so I had to go to her wedding. Of course, this one I, I'm just attending. I'm not part of the, of the bridal party. The, the wedding was beautiful. The, then we came to the reception, and I walked into the reception hall, and it suddenly occurred to me, I'm not going to be seated at that table up front. Every other wedding I've been to with these people, I've always been at the seat up front. At, at her oldest brother's wedding, I'm, I was seated right there next to him. At her younger brother's wedding, I was seated just down the road from him. I, I, I've always been at the table up front. That's where my friends are. That's where the people I love are. That's where the people I know are. And and suddenly, I, I went to my assigned seat. I I found my name, and I was the first person at our table to arrive, and I sat down, and honestly, I got to tell you, I, I felt kind of lonely. <laughs> and then I started looking at the other cards at my table. I started looking at the other people who were going to be seated with me, and, well, that one said Cheryl, and it suddenly occurred to me, that's, that's Aunt Cheryl. That's Aunt Cheryl. Everybody's got an Aunt Cheryl. Aunt Cheryl was the wacky aunt. She was the one who, who would say whatever was on her mind. Aunt Cheryl was hilarious. For years, I had heard stories about Aunt Cheryl. I got to sit with Aunt Cheryl, and then I looked over here, and there was another card, and it was Carl, and I suddenly realized, that's Uncle Carl. Uncle Carl, Uncle Carl was my model for how I wanted to be an uncle to my nephews and my nieces. Uncle Carl was hilarious. Uncle Carl was the guy who pushed the limits. Uncle Carl could get you a slightly hot uh, used lawnmower if you didn't ask too many questions (laughs) about where it came from. Uncle Carl, who would show up at family dinners with a big cigar and a can of beer and tell the worst stories and the worst jokes. And I suddenly realized I had been included with family. (laughs) I suddenly realized I I am family. And not only that, but I was seated at the cool kids table. (sighs) Look again at verses 10 and 11. Jesus says, but when you are invited, go and sit at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher and then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Hear that. Hear that not just for you. Hear that for all of us. Hear that for that person who's sitting at table with you. There are people in your life who would be blessed by you including them. That might mean that You go sit with someone who looks very alone, that you seek to include them. That also might mean that if you're the host, you invite those people who are normally excluded. Can we go back to verse 25 again? Jesus says in verse verse 24, Jesus says in verse 24, For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Hear those first words, none of those men. The exclusive are excluded. The unwelcoming, they're not welcome. His table makes us all equals. That requires that we treat each other as equals. It requires that we extend our invitation to everyone. That's at the heart of what it means to be invited to Jesus' table. You see, Jesus calls each of us to make room at his table. This whole passage forms a a pinnacle point for Luke's gospel. I've mentioned this again and again. Luke talks about the table more than any other book in the Bible. And here we have a, a culmination of all of this table talk. Jesus is invited to a table. While he's there at that table, he tells a story about another table. And then he tells another story about his table. All the way through Luke, Jesus is encountered The marginalized, the the people who have been thrown away, the people living on the outskirts of society, the people who aren't welcome, the people who are hurting, the people who are poor. And now those are the very ones that he's including at his table. Verses 15 through 20, when one of those who reclined at table with Jesus, with him, heard these things, he said to Jesus, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, Well, I've bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I have to go examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I can't come. <laughs> you know, a lot's been said about these excuses. They are lame excuses. <laughs> they are ridiculous excuses. Just stop and think about it for a minute. He bought a field, and he's never examined it? Would you buy a field site unseen? How many rocks are in that field? How many weeds? How good is the soil? He has no idea, and he's already put money down on it? The other one's bought a team of oxen and he's going to go try them out. I, I can't speak for you farmers, but I'm going to assume that you don't buy a tractor without test driving it, without making sure it's going to work for your application. The only one that makes sense is the third one. I, I have married a wife and therefore I can't come. Well, I get that. We all do. But even there, stop and think about it. He's, he's accepted an invitation to this man's banquet. And then he turns around and got married. He gets married So he has to throw his own banquet. I can't come to your party because I'm going to be going to my party. The ridiculousness of the story is that the people refused the invitation. You wouldn't refuse an invitation to Jesus' banquet, would you? You wouldn't refuse that invitation? Of course you wouldn't. But the question becomes not would you refuse it, but to whom would you extend that invitation? Are you inviting people? to Jesus' banquet through the way that you welcome others, through the way that you include others. Are you inviting them into his presence? Are you inviting them into his grace? Jesus goes on and tells us, "...so the servant came and reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame." And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel the people to come in that my house may be filled. I want you to hear the goal. The goal of the master is not to fill the banquet with the right people, with the best people, with the good people, with the clean people, with the people that he knows are going to be able to contribute to him. It's not the point is not to fill it with just the perfect people. The goal is to fill the table with as many as possible. That's going to require you and me to make room at the table for others. Can we talk about the church for a minute? I'll give you a hint. We've been talking about the church the whole time. Jesus didn't run projects to save the world. Jesus didn't create programs. He didn't put on events. He didn't do big days. He didn't do back to church Sunday. Jesus Eight meals. Let me ask a question. Show me your hands. How many of you eat meals? I, I, I see those hands. Every one of you eats meals. Perfect. You have the ability to be just like Jesus. Yes, people are saved because of the gospel message. Yes, someone has to tell them that message. But when we share meals with others, when we spend time with other people, when we open our homes and our hearts. We create opportunities because people feel welcome. They feel included. They even feel like they get a seat with the cool kids or they simply know there's room at the table for them. So we're getting ready to move our in-person morning worship time to 9.30 in the morning. Um, Given the current COVID-19 restrictions, That means that most Sundays we will be done by 1030 before 1030 in the morning. And with the current COVID-19 restrictions, there's a lot that we can't do in person in the building right now. We can't have banquets. We can't have potlucks. I love potlucks. We can't even have donuts and coffee right now. Those are things that we just simply can't plan for and and make room for. (laughs) But I know our people here, and I I think I know you. you, you're still going to eat, aren't you? And many of you are still going to eat together. I want you to hear Jesus's plea for yourself. Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you've commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. And I just ask, who are you going to eat with? Who will you invite? Who will you include? Who are you going to make room for at the table? You know, when we have visitors, we often have visitors here, even now with COVID-19. Do we ever ask, what are you doing for lunch? Where are you going for lunch? You got any plans? You know, getting out of here for us at 10.30 in the morning, that's plenty of time to run to a restaurant, even one of the bigger restaurants in one of the bigger towns around us. Or, or even more better, it's time to head home and, and fix something. A big part of doing this, a big part of, of moving our service to 9.30 in the morning is catching Jesus' vision for what His table does, the way He engages people. Who's invited? Who do we need to make room for? And it comes down to that last verse, verse 24. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. (laughs) My banquet. That's, That's a banquet I'm looking for. That's a banquet I'm looking forward to. I fully expect to see my name at the cool kid table there also. I want you to hear Jesus carefully. There are a lot who are invited who will never taste of his banquet. It's not because they, they lost their invitations. Their invitations were lost in the mail or they didn't RSVP. It's because they never extended the invitation to another. If you want a place at his table, then make room for someone else at his table. You Getting ready to take communion right now. This, this is not the banquet, thankfully. It's, I need more than this for a banquet. I think it is a foretaste. Not a foretaste of the food. It's not just bread and, and juice or wine. It's the fellowship that we share. It's the fact that we do this together, even when we have to be separated. We do this together. We do this as one body, as one church. And it is a constant reminder to us that there is room at the table, that our host is, extends his invitation through us that we're invited not just to come and experience him to come and taste and see we're invited to extend that invitation to seek others who will know him to seek others who will be blessed in his presence to seek others who can be filled by him let's take a moment and pray father we thank you we thank you for the invitation that you've extended to each one of us We thank you for that banquet that we look forward to. Some point in the future, Lord, we don't know when, but we know our invitation is there and we long to be there. Lord, right now, today, we want to pray for those who we would love to see with us. Lord, we've got friends that we would love to see at that banquet. We've got family members we would love to see there. Maybe co-workers. Maybe it's somebody who's new to us And we don't quite know uh, Where they are in their relationship with you And we would just love to sit down And spend some more time with them We would love to know That they're going to be at that table And and Lord if they're not sure yet We want to extend the invitation And make sure they know your love So today as we take this As we take the bread As we take the cup Lord we come not just for ourselves For what we receive We come for what we share We come for the invitation we extend, and we thank you for the way you welcome all to your table. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Extend that invitation. God bless. Go in peace.